Well, as I said, uh, my name is Shane, and uh, I am excited to uh, to share with you. It's interesting, you know, um, we've done online a number of times, and, you know, uh, it's difficult to, to prepare a message online because it's just a bit, a bit, a bit unique and different, uh, and if you're a public speaker, you understand the difference between, you know, doing an online post versus an, a live audience, and so every time I've prepared a message, it's been, you know, uniquely for this and so, um, but when I prepared this message, I really was envisioning it to be a live audience. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of share it as such. Uh, it's, a, it's a word that I feel like God's really given me for our church coming into the new year. Uh, this is our first service in 2021. What? <laughs> this is crazy. Um, and and I'm excited for what God's doing um, in your life. I'm excited for what God's doing in. Heart Church in Escondido, in our nation, frankly, because though there's a lot of things that are a bit crazy, there's a lot of things that are unknown, um, God is on the move. And that's not just something like a churchy thing to say, but he really is. And there are so many people that were not really open to faith before that now are suddenly going, man, I really need something to grab a hold of that is not my stock options it's not the government it's not my own ability to make it happen maybe there is something out there and and with the whole quarantine thing i think there are so many people that are saying wow we didn't know how much we needed community until it was gone until i was stuck in my house (laughs) hello somebody um i didn't realize how much i really wanted to be around people not just a crowd but people who know me who value me who are like family, and and that's what the church is, and that's the church that we've always strived to build here at Heart Church is a place where people can feel like family, and so um, yeah, let's let's dive in. So open up with me to Mark chapter nine, and uh, and in Mark chapter nine we're going to find an interesting story, and it is. Uh, a very famous story. It's found in most of the Gospels because of its significance, and it's the Mount of Transfiguration story. And so I'm going to read it, and we're going to kind of dive in and hear what, um, what God is saying to us this morning. It says, Now after six days, this is verse 2, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow, I love this next part, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. (laughs) And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he didn't know what else to say, for they were greatly afraid. Verse 7, And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And suddenly when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. The title of my message today is Just Jesus. Just Jesus. Father God, I thank you for these moments where we can open up your word and most importantly hear from you. And so I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that 
you would take my simple words and somehow, God, you'd use them to speak. That we would be able to silence the noise in our life and we would tap into what you're saying from heaven. God, I thank you that you do speak, that you are still alive and well, Jesus, and you are deeply a part of our lives and you are leading us by your voice. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, there was something in the fabric of, of these disciples, in the way that they lived their lives, that, that needed a shift, that, that needed a change. It's, it's almost like what got them here wasn't going to get them there. I don't know if you can relate with that, where there's moments in time where, where God's saying um, there's a shift that's coming. And... Um, oftentimes God uses seasons in our life, like a new year, where there would be a shift. I know in our country, in our nation, and around the world, there's been a big shift. And the, you know, the running you know, phrase is new normal. Um, and I believe that God is doing something similar in our lives. And he was doing something here with these disciples. This wasn't just an experience. Jesus didn't do anything on accident. He was doing something specific. So Jesus took them up on this mountain to shake them up. If you ever needed advice and um, you go to like multiple people to get that advice and you hear like conflicting opinions. And so it's almost like you end up more confused than you started because this person's saying this thing and then this person's saying this thing. You're like, ah, what do I do? This didn't help at all. Um, this, this happened for us, uh, Heather and I, and... Um, She's, I thought she was in the audience. There she is. She's in the audience here. Uh, this happened to us early in our marriage. And it was sort of a defining moment for us because, um, because it, it, it sort of created a new trajectory for our relationship and my relationship with her parents. And I know they wouldn't mind me sharing this. And in fact, it has really been a catalyst for an incredible relationship that um, I've been able to have with her, her folks. But our first year of marriage, uh, we, we needed to, to make a big purchase. And I mentioned this before because those of you who, who heard my message when I talked about when we first got married, that we purchased a bed. And that was the first thing that we, that we purchased when we bought our new home in Texas. I remember it was like $80,000 or something for this home in Texas that we purchased. And so, um, but we were ready to make our next purchase and we had researched and talked about it and like really dove in. I'm a little more impulsive. Um, Heather is a little bit more of like a researcher. She finds good deals. I'm the guy who like goes to the store, finds what I want and gets it. And, you know, it's like, you know, this is the last time we could get this. And this is as good a price as we'll ever get. And then she gets online and finds it like next door for less, you know. So um, Heather did all of her research and we finally found the couches for our very first, uh, very first couches in our home, first year of marriage. And we found them at Macy's. I don't know if you've ever purchased um, furniture from Macy's, but it's, it's good quality. It's not always the cheapest, but at least back then, really good quality. And so um, we went to Macy's. The big day came. We, we got a truck um, and, and we were like, well, I don't know if we got a truck. Maybe we, was, we had to order it and they delivered it, but either way, we, we went to actually make the purchase. It wasn't like we're just browsing. It was, we found what we wanted. Heather was convinced that this was like a good price. I think they were on sale. And we went and we sat in them. 
and they were amazing. Don't ever buy couches before you can sit in them. I just made that mistake, bad idea. We actually were able to sit in the couches. They were incredible. And we go up to the counter and like the most anticlimactic moment because Heather in that moment goes, well, I don't, I don't know. Are you sure we should buy these couches? And I'm like, babe, we've been talking and thinking about this for a long time. We are here to buy the couches. She's like, I don't know. It's such a big purchase. She goes, I think we should call my dad and ask him what he thinks. <laughs> that was fantastic. And so um, naturally, as the caring, loving, nurturing husband I was, I said, sure, absolutely. Why would we not want to call your dad? No, that's totally not how I responded. I'm like, seriously? But I'm having like the most insecure husband moment ever. Right? I'm like, really? I'm the man in your life now, not him. And so let's do it. Right? It was just totally immature on my part. And so she's like, no, I really think we should call my dad because he's like so smart and he manages his money well. And I'm like, what am I, chopped liver? Right? So anyway, so we call him. And so I'm like fuming. I'm walking around. Macy's like, really? She's on the phone with her dad. So anyway, and her dad, totally innocent, right? He had no idea any of this. He just thought that his daughter was calling him for advice. And so she gave him like this much of information. Here we are at Macy's, should we buy this couch for this much money? And he goes, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if I would do that, right? So she gets off the phone and she's like, deals off. We're not buying the couch. I'm like, I am going to pull out the hair I don't have because I'm so frustrated, right? Actually, back then I had hair. And so we literally leave Macy's without couches. And we go, so I'm like, this is not, not going to work like this. We got to work on our communication. So, so I, uh, we drive home to, to Heather's folks' house. And meanwhile, poor Robert, he has no idea. I'm frustrated. He just thought he was being helpful, right? And, uh, and so he catches wind that, that there's been some disruption. <laughs> and so um, we, you know, we go over there and he asks us to come into his room. It's late at night. It's like 10 o'clock at night by now. And he asks us to come into his room. We literally sit at his bed because like he's getting ready for bed. Sit at his bed and like I kind of explain what I just explained to you and my frustration. And he was amazing. I mean, he literally coined a term, unasked for advice is interference. And so he said, from now on, if you guys want advice from me, I'm happy to give it, but you guys need to be in unity and you need to come to me and say, hey, we're as a couple asking for your advice because I will not be the wedge in between your marriage. It was incredible. And he has owned that and, 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 and helped that our whole marriage. But it was one of those moments where it was like conflicting advice and Heather was great, by the way. She was like, I'm so sorry, babe. And we went back and got the couches. Hello, and they were great couches. They really were. We had them for like, what, 10 years or something? Um, and, and it really was like a defining moment in our life. But, but it was just kind of like, wow, conflicting advice really can turn you upside down. And we find this, these disciples here. And what we find is that there was conflicting advice. There was conflicting opinions. 
Because what we find is Jesus, who the disciples had been following, but there was also voices that, the, that these disciples had also been following simultaneously. And it was Moses and Elijah, which represent the law and the prophets. Now listen, this isn't like going, we're not going to get into the law and the prophets, we're not getting into the Old Testament, we're not getting into the New and Old Covenant. What we're getting into is the reality that Jesus recognized that Peter and James and John were treating Jesus and his words and his voice and his leading and his, his ideas as just one of the many amongst ones that they would listen to and Follow. See, they grew up their whole life listening to the, the, the law brought by Moses and the prophets that Elijah represent, and they knew them. I mean, they memorized the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, so they understood all of this, and it was a part of their DNA of how they would live their life. And so the law and Moses and the things that came out of the Pentateuch, which, which Moses wrote, and the things that came out of the prophets were something deep inside um, these disciples. And Jesus was bringing them up on a mountain and allowing his father to silence the noise because, because the father literally interrupted Peter. Peter's like, it's so good that we're all here. Like, I finally have my mentors all in the same room, and you guys can all sort of speak into my life and how I'm going to live my life. And isn't it great, Jesus, that you made the list? Isn't it great that you, it's almost like, uh, you know, my wife telling me, like, I, I now have a voice in addition to her father in her life, and I'm going to be competing with him my whole life. And I was like, no, I don't want to compete with your dad. He's way smarter than me. That's not even fair. And so, so Jesus brings them up on the mountain, and God silences the noise by literally interrupting Peter as he is explaining how wonderful it is that we are all here. Let's build a tabernacle so that we can listen to and worship all of you. And God the Father silences him and says, this is my son, just Jesus. Hear him. Listen to him. Remember, remember Peter? It's almost like God was reminding Peter, God, Jesus holds the words to eternal life. Remember when, remember when Jesus was saying hard things and the disciples were leaving? And then, and then Jesus turns to Peter and goes, are you going to leave too? And, and Peter right away says, where would we go? You hold the words of eternal life. And so God was like reminding Peter, this is my son whom I love here him. Jesus and his words, they are not just one of many in your life. He is God. His words are living and active. His words penetrate all things. I don't know if you struggle with competing voices in your life. I think if you're honest, you do, because I certainly do. All of the noise. And 2020 is probably going to go down in the books for the most noise. The most competing opinions. And all 
all kinds of advice to the point where most people that I've talked to have basically like shut off social media and shut off the news because we are like losing our mind with how many voices are out there, how many opinions, how many directions we could all go in life. And God is shutting it down and saying there are too many voices when there are only one. There is only one that matters, just Jesus. In 2021, I, I hope that we're, we're moving in a direction where his voice silences all and fuels our soul. God was inviting them to let go of something so that they could embrace something else. I need you to let go of the law and the prophets. And they didn't understand that. And, and Jesus even alludes to, to their experience up there as something that will, that will um, come back to them after the resurrection. And they're like, the resurrection, what are you talking about? But, but, but he was inviting them to an idea that it's time to let go of something, something that was good for then, but it's not going to get us there. It got you here. But it won't get us there. And in 2021, I guess that, that God is asking us very simply, what are the things, what are the voices, what are the compete, what's the competing noise that God would say, that's not going to help you moving forward. In fact, it's going to be competing with the one voice that you need, just Jesus. There's a, a scripture that, that I love in Colossians. And I apologize in this recording, we don't have, um, you know, lower thirds and scriptures. So just invite you to open up your Bible as we, as we study the importance of Jesus' words. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I love how he says, don't, don't just let it like take root, but he's saying like teach it and admonish one another. In other words, encourage one another with it, with these words of Jesus that are so life-giving and make songs on, out of them and hymns out of them with spiritual songs with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So I have three ideas. And I think these are ideas that are going to help us to to really set up the words of Jesus above all others. And if you are kind of looking for the bottom line here, and that's that in 2021, I believe that the words of Jesus, I believe that the word of God, I believe that his living breath, his rhema word should be set above all the rest. In fact, there's a scripture that you well know in Matthew that is right after the Beatitudes where Jesus says, listen, those people who hear my words, and put them into practice in their life. In other words, set them above the rest. They will be like somebody that builds their house on a rock. Because when the winds come, when, when the years of 2020 hit, right? This was a year of wind and rain. When the waves come and they beat on your house, it will still be standing. Because you built it on the words of God. On the word of Jesus. But those people who don't, those people who don't have the ability to hear and set my words above all the rest, it's like they built a house on sand. And when the winds and the waves come, what seems to be solid is not solid anymore. And great will be the fall. So the first idea is this. His word is given to us by the Holy Spirit. His word is given to us 
by the Holy Spirit. And I wrote, I wrote this. This is where we learn to listen. I hear people all the time. God doesn't speak to me. I mean, you probably said this. God doesn't speak to me. And it, they always look at the preacher like, God speaks to you because you preach, so he must be speaking to you. Listen, I'm a person just like you. I struggle just like you to hear God's voice. But I believe something deep down in my bones, and that is this, that the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal to you and remind you of the words of Jesus. Listen, we have this Bible. We all have the same Bible. It all has the same thing, different translations. But if you believe in the Word of God, we all have this Bible. But, but, but it says something. Jesus said something about the Holy Spirit that's interesting in, in chapter 14 in verse 26. John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I, Jesus, I've said to you, God speaks, and he uses the Holy Spirit as a vehicle to remind you things that he has said, but he makes them real to you. He makes, it's called the rhema word of God. He brings something that's, that's an idea or a great promise, and in the moment that you need it, if you're listening, if you're leaning in, he brings those words and makes them alive to your soul. Some of us, we just, um, we have a hard time listening. I don't know if you're the kind of person that, like, avoids awkward silence. <laughs> um, you know, if you're that person, then you're the guy that constantly fills the silence with words. Well, that, that was Peter, because this is what Peter was doing up on the mountain. They come up there, they're having this moment where Moses, Elijah, Jesus is shining, and... And instead of, like, just taking it in, Peter's like, um, this is great, Jesus. Uh, let's build some shrines. No, some tents. Let's, let's make this, let's make our home here. This is really good. As if, as if Jesus needs Peter to tell him that, that we're having a moment, right? <laughs> Jesus is shining like the sun. Two people who are dead have literally shown up on the mountain. Thank you, Peter, for reminding me, the Son of God, that this is a moment, right? And it's funny because it even says in verse 6 that um, after Peter says all that, it says in verse 6, because, in other words, Jesus, Peter was talking, because he did not know what to say, <laughs> for he was afraid. So when you don't know what to say, just fill the air with noise, right? <laughs> I don't know if you're like you relate with that, but that kind of that that kind of mentality really flies in the face of the idea of learning to listen. And I think that the point is, some of us just need to like quiet ourselves long enough to hear what he's saying. Maybe if you're the person that's like, wow, oh, I never hear him. I mean, is there room in your life? Is there room in your day-to-day -day life to hear him? Because the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you, not us collectively, not like the pastor, you, to remind you of the things he said in a moment that you need him. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Jesus has already spoke spoken and the Holy Spirit makes it living and active. You know that scripture in Hebrews, the, the word of God is living and active, right? So we believe that at any point you could read scripture and it's not going to return void. It's, it's powerful. But the Holy Spirit comes and he makes it alive to you. And it's incredible. 
The second idea, the first one is that his word is given to us by the Holy Spirit. The second one is this. His word supersedes all others. His word supersedes all others. This is where, where we learn to prioritize God's voice. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 27, um, when, when they were out on the boat, right, the disciples, and like the storm came up, and they're like, what are we going to do? And, and Jesus, you know, was asleep, and he gets up, and he's like, what are you guys doing out here? Right? There's like the wind and the waves, and he's like, be quiet, right? Silence. And it was still. And, and one of the things that, that caused the disciples, and even those that were looking on, to go, oh my gosh, this might be the Messiah, is what's said in Matthew chapter 8, verse 27. What kind of man is this that even the wind and waves obey? His words. That even the wind and waves obey him. His word supersedes all others. His word even supersedes nature. Like things... That on the, in the natural, there's no way that this mountain could be moved. There's no way that circumstances could be different. We all, if you're not facing one of those moments now, then <laughs> you have and you will face one of those moments where you're like, there's, there's no possible way through this. And his words supersede even what's humanly possible. See, Peter... And James and John, they, they had this idea going up that mountain that, that Jesus and his words were just one of many. We're going to listen to the law because Moses gave it. We're going to listen to the prophets. Like we've memorized the Pentateuch. We know all of this stuff. And these are our mentors. These are our teachers. And this is how we live. And Jesus it's cool that you're a rabbi too. Man, you've got some cool things to say too. And so isn't it great that we all can be here and Jesus, like, you're going to fit in just fine with all of our mentors. And, and God says, no, his word, it supersedes all others. And I don't know if you ever find yourself where, where, where you have a word and, and that word is stuck. That word is depression. That word is cancer. That word is debt. Those things that, that hold on, those, that word that's not enough. Those words that maybe were spoken over you when you were young. Those words that become like defining words over you. That word that says you're fearful, that you, that you can't trust anyone. Those words that define you. And what God would say in 2021 is His word supersedes all other words, which is why it's so important that we find the living, breathing word, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and give us a higher word, a better word, so that it doesn't matter how you feel, it doesn't matter what you see, that His word is living and active and is superseding all these other words that have been spoken to you before. Jesus speaks a better word. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, which means that when we speak the word of God, when we hear the word of God, there's something inside of us that begins to believe. And I think I, 
you know, the, the God would, would, would want to tell you today that your spirit, your soul, your being inside of you, it needs to hear you say the word of God. It needs to hear a better word. Come out of your mouth. It can't just be something the preacher says. It can't be something that maybe you just read and you contemplate. Like faith comes by hearing. And so come on, let's just begin to speak a better word. Let's just, when God speaks those words to us, let's, let's allow ourselves to hear us say a better word so we can grab a hold of it and begin to believe it. Because the, other, the, the alternative is that we believe the other. This world is shouting at you and me. The noise has never been greater. And so we not only need to learn to listen, we need to learn to prioritize, to push aside the other noise, the other words, and latch on to the living word of God. And come on, let's just begin to say that out loud. God, I thank you that this is your word. And it's greater than what I can see. It's greater than what I feel. Because it's alive. And it's the rock that I stand on. Because if I stand on that other word, I won't be still standing when the waves hit. Mm, that's good, huh? Mm. Yes. The camera's like, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> we must be relentless about which word we listen to. Which is why we've got to be relentless about the kinds of people we surround ourselves with. Listen, I, I love reaching out to people, especially surrounding myself with people that don't have faith and I've got lots of friends that, that I've built relationship with to, to be a light to them. But, but I'll tell you, we have to be so careful that, that the people that we're, that we're giving ourselves to and listening to and, and, and allowing to speak into our life, that they're speaking a better word. That they're not speaking just the, the noise of this, of this world. Anyone can do that. You turn on the TV. We need to hear a better word. Lastly, so his words given to us by the Holy Spirit. His word supersedes all others. And lastly, his word carries healing and new life. Psalm 107.20 says, He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107.20, I want to read it again. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. This is where we learn to receive. The first one is that we learned to listen to the Holy Spirit, make room. And we learn to prioritize His Word. And, and, and we need to learn to receive. I know a lot of people that have a hard time receiving. They're mostly givers. They love to give. They love to bless. But they have a hard time receiving. And I think if we're honest, a lot of us feel like the idea of God speaking to us is more like being in the principal's office. <laughs> it's like, what, what is he going to say? And why does he want to speak to me? You know? It's like, what did I do this time? You know? And maybe, maybe you grew up with a father like that, you know, or a teacher or a coach. It's like, they didn't really pay a lot of attention to you unless they needed to tell you something that you did wrong. And then it's like, well, shoot, what did I do? And so because of that, I think a lot of us sort of shy away from this idea of, of God speaking. I mean, you know, reading the Bible is one thing, but the idea of a living God speaking a word 
to me or reminding me something specific for my life, that idea scares us because we're like, man, if he's speaking to me, it's probably because I did something wrong because I did do a lot wrong. We think so low of ourselves, so we think that this encounter with God is going to be negative. And this just couldn't be further from the truth. And man, I want to break through that idea. I want to break through that lie and that stronghold because I'll tell you what, God has got incredible things for you. He's got incredible words for you. And they are life-giving. They bring healing. And they bring new life. I, uh, I want to end with a story. Um, many of you know we got a dog about a year ago. and um, I'm still not sure if it was a mistake or not, but nevertheless, um, her name is Midnight. Now we have a dog, Hershey, or Coco, and she's uh, five, but we have another dog now. And her name is Midnight, and she is a cross between a lab and a German Shepherd, and we just thought, like, I, I grew up with a German Shepherd. German Shepherds, I think, are such cool dogs. They're very smart, and labs are adorable, and so, like, combination, you know, wow. And so we got the dog, and for the last year, it's just been, uh, I mean, it's kind of been hell on earth, to be honest with you. This dog, first of all, she eats everything. And I mean, you know, like most puppies do, but I'm, I'm not exaggerating, thousands of dollars of stuff that she has literally eaten in our backyard destroyed you know furniture patio furniture just all gone gone pillows actual like ate the actual furniture not just the pillows the furniture and uh ate like our 400 dollars pool cleaner thing just to demolished right i mean this dog anyways don't get me fired up okay so um up until about a month ago i was literally like we're done we're done with the dog and and it wasn't so much that it just eats a lot it's that um that it's very skittish, it's very fearful and anxious, and so it growls, she, she growls, and she she really didn't like connecting with me very much, maybe because I'm kind of the alpha male, and she's just like a very fearful dog. And, and so I was having a hard time connecting with her, and she's having, you know, all these issues, just acting like a, a, a sounds strange, like a dog has baggage, like just, just difficult. It has issues, right? And we've owned the dog since she's a puppy, She's had a great life. I'm like, get it together, dog, right? The other dog is doing fine. Watch Coco do what she does. But no, it hasn't worked. So a month ago, something happened. She got fixed, which again, kind of the part of the process we're hoping maybe this is going to help you know, her calm down a little bit. And as you know, they have to wear the cone of shame so that they, they don't you know, lick their stitches. And so uh, we got a kennel for her. So she, you know, kind of laid in there and she's been, you know, drugged up and everything else. And so anyway, she wore this cone of shame for like a solid week, maybe more. And, and she was in the kennel a lot because with the cone of shame, she kind of walks around and bumps into everything. And it's just kind of pathetic. So she stays in the kennel. And so I found myself feeling sorry for the dog. And so I began to spend time with it. And this is going to sound funny, but like I would literally lay down on the ground with next to the kennel, open the door, and you know, midnight would just land there with a cone of shame, and I would just kind of like stroke her face and just talk to her. And I wasn't like trying to create a cool sermon illustration. I was literally trying to connect with the dog, and she wasn't running for me from me for once because she was stuck in the kennel with a cone of shame. So I began over the next week to like really connect with the dog and speak over the dog. And I was reminded of a term husbandry 
And husbandry is the, is the concept of a master um, shaping and molding and caring for a dog. And they do that through a lot of things, but a lot of it's their words. And I can tell you now our relationship, myself and, 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 and Midnight, is different. And I attribute it mostly to my willingness and relentlessness to connect with and speak kindly over the dog. And she's a lot less anxious now. And I can tell you that we were created to hear the voice of God. If you are anxious, if you are troubled, if you are insecure, I promise you that the primary reason is that you don't hear the voice of God enough. You were created to have him speak to you like daily bread. This is manna. This is daily bread. The Bible says that we would not live on bread alone, but by every word of God, that it is literally fuel from our soul. And if you look at you know, the story of Mary and Martha, Martha is so anxious and worried, and she's busy, and she's doing a lot of stuff. And what is Mary doing? Mary is sitting, listening to Jesus, and fully at peace. And I'm telling you what, coming into this new year, I believe that the voice of God is going to bring a calming to your spirit. I believe the voice of God is going to bring a peace that passes understanding. I believe the voice of God is going to bring a clarity to you and remove the fear and the anxiety in your life that was caused from 2020 and bring a settling and a confidence to go into this new year believing the word of God above all else. Can I pray with you? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way that you are leading us once again to the promised future. And Father, I just ask that you would do what you said you would do. God, that you would come and you would, you, you would draw near to all those that seek you. That those who just simply cry out to you, simply, simply begin to speak to you, that you would draw near and that you would become real like never before. God, and I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to invite you um, next week to our uh, 9.30 soft opening service in a brand new facility. And um, secondly, uh, those of you who are viewing live, uh, we want to invite you um, right now. It is about 10.25. And so we're going to be over at Tony's right around 11. And so, um, yeah, if you just want to... Um, Tony Pepperoni right there on Grand Street. We're going to just kind of have lunch as a community. Anybody that feels comfortable and would like to join us for lunch just to have like a little bit of in-person community, um, we would love to see you at 11 o'clock. So God bless you. We'll talk to you soon.